Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandro Luketic. And today we are talking 2011's In Time. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie, which I believe neither of us had up until now. Uh, no. So I have to ask, Sandra, this is this is your pick. Yeah. Um, why was this your pick? Well, I've seen this movie before. You have? Okay. We talked about this. It was like <laughs> it was like a week ago. No, you before... expect me to remember this? <laughs> Before I made the pick, I said I'm picking a movie I've seen before, but not since it came out. I'm a busy man, Sandro. Time Are is you? money. Yes, I don't know what it's like to be busy. Please, tell me. Well, you see, you don't have a lot of free time. Like I said, time costs. So, I don't know what I'm getting at. Let's just talk. Like, why? Why did you pick this? <laughs> okay, so this is a movie that I remember watching, like, when it first came out, right? This is what 2012 2011 11 so yeah it's it's been over a decade and i remember at the time really liking it and thinking that um you know this was a good i guess leading role for justin timberlake because prior to that he had done a bunch of just supporting roles and mm -hmm. you know like uh southbound tales and stuff like that uh alpha, the love alpha guru dog. pardon alpha dog he was in the love guru yeah, he played uh, the Quebec goalkeeper or whatever, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he was the best part of that movie. That, that movie was absolutely terrible, but he had one part that made me laugh. So Good. he automatically got best for, for one laughs. <laughs> um, but the thing is, as time went on, I didn't hear anybody really talking about this movie. None of the people that I kind of interact with had seen this movie, if it ever came up. So I thought, I want to revisit it. Maybe my memory was just really bad and the movie was garbage and I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Uh, or maybe, yeah, so one of two things. Either one, I wanted to, to figure out why no one was talking about it, or two, I want to find out if that's well-deserved and I was just wrong. Fair enough. Uh, this This is a movie that I was aware of when it came out, but shortly after it hit home video, it almost immediately went to the dollar bin. Um, and I took that as reason to just actively avoid the film. And I, 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 like you said, I've seen Timberlake in smaller roles, never as a leading man. And he's good. He's good. Um, well, may maybe not good. He's not bad. He's not bad, bad. Uh, I'd say that at this point, right, uh, where we're at in, in time, he's adequate. And Act, I yes, will say, I will say that not that he's acting all the time, but in the roles that I've seen him in, at which I will say this right now, I'm a fan of Justin Timberlake. Oh, me too. Um, in the roles that I've seen, he's getting better. I, I feel like he has potential to be quite good in a role at some point. Up until now, though, he's just been all right. And that's more than you can ask for some people that are transitioning from one medium to another. Yeah, he, he's undeniably a talented performer. Yep. So that's why I picked it. But yes, I had seen it before. 
and I just wanted you to see it and talk to me about it. Uh, and I'm glad that that you picked this one because I don't think I ever would have seen it any other way. And what really caught me off guard is even just starting the movie, you see the credits, um, you see that it was written, directed, and produced by Andrew Nichol, who I know as the writer and director of Gattaca. And that was his first feature, and that blew me out of the water when I first saw it. That's an amazing film that we should maybe revisit sometime down the road. But he was also the writer of The Truman Show. Well, I actually liked that movie. I thought it was a little underrated. I think it's fantastic. The Truman Show is probably one of the best Jim Carrey movies out there. I think the problem was people were expecting a Jim Carrey movie yeah. of what we had seen up until that point with the ridiculous slapstick, slapstick comedy, so they weren't expecting this. Yeah, and also uh, uh, a misjudged ending to that film, I think. A lot of people look at it as a happy ending, and I think it is a, a tragedy. So that's a, that's a conversation you and I can have off mic. Yeah, but, you know um, what conversation we can't have? What's that? The one about who's been in other movies, because I <laughs> flat out forgot to do it. That's okay. I thought of one person. Oh, okay. I, I'm actively not searching uh, our old episodes to make sure that I'm, like, picking characters for this so I can win your fucking game. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, I'm going to give you the default win because I forgot. Okay. Well, I, I will tell you the actor then, okay. and you you tell me the movie. Okay. Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki? He played uh, Burrell, Will's best friend. No, I movie. know who Johnny Galecki is. Come on. Okay, fine. Jesus. Jumped on uh, I got nothing, man. I wanted to say National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but that lost the fan vote and we didn't do it. Thank God. Uh, and nothing else is coming to mind. It was a teen slasher film. Oh, how uh, I know what you did last summer. Correct. Oh, okay. Well, that was a very good hint. Um, so I can't take the I can't take the win. For <laughs> he that. he got it good in that. Yeah. But yeah, no, he he's just kind of popping up in things now that I'm watching. It's uh, it's always nice to see him on screen, which is weird because I always used to hate him. I mean, he's only really getting minor roles, but yeah. Yeah, he is the perfect um, secondary character. Sure. But. Um, before jumping into notes, I, I want to let everyone know this movie, in my opinion anyway, is incredibly unbalanced. Uh, it's heavily stacked at the beginning, and then it just allows the rest to play out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like we've encountered a surprising amount of those doing this podcast. Like a tale of two halves? <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. So, jumping right in. The film opens with a voiceover exposition dumped by Will Salas. Uh, it's the year 2169, and people stop aging at 25 years old as a timer on their arm activates, beginning a countdown, allowing them one more year to live unless they can get more time. How does this work? In this world, time is money. Uh, the rich can live forever while everyone else lives day to day. You work a job, you get paid in time. You want to buy something, you pay with time. It's an interesting concept. Um, it's heavy-handed. I'm very fascinated by the origin of this, which we don't get in the movie. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I've like gotten to the point where it's like, I just accept that. Okay. This is how the world works. But in my mind, I'm like, how do we get to this point? How did people get these clocks on their hands? How did it get to the point? Like what was money and time still available? And people were just eventually like, 
well, money means nothing and started slowly shifting currency to time. Like, I find that fascinating. Obviously, they're not going to give us any explanation for that, but uh, I find it very interesting. Me too. And I think why they don't explain that to us is because you would have to go so deep into that history. Mm -hmm. That idea is what I would expect for an entire H.G. Wells book. And honestly, I would love to read it. But mm -hmm. this movie this movie can't support that, that depth because it's a science fiction action thriller and it doesn't really allow us the time to rest and ponder because that would that would kill the timing of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like they heard the phrase, time is the most valuable thing, and really just ran with it. <laughs> we, we meet Will, uh, finally, played by Justin Timberlake, a factory worker living with his mother, uh, Olivia Wilde. Uh, they live in the ghetto of Dayton. Will's been working overtime to be able to buy his mother a bottle of champagne for her 50th birthday, along with the hopes of taking her to New Greenwich, which is the richest area in their time zone. I think that that is a wonderful way to introduce a little bit more of the concept that you don't age after 25. Like yes. it's one thing to tell us, but then to show us they're celebrating her 50th birthday and look at her, right? That um, it's a great visual complimentary piece to give mm -hmm. you more of the backstory of how it works without being overly heavy handed. And I'm also pretty sure that Timberlake is older than Olivia Wilde. And wow. that, yeah, that, that definitely solidifies that, that thought too. Like it, it was a great idea. Although I have to say there are a lot of people in this movie that look much older than 25. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. Obviously they are not going to acknowledge it because it, it's a, a plot hole immediately. So yeah. I'll just let it fly. Um, what's your thought on the idea of uh, time zones instead of states? Um, I don't think it warranted much thought at all. It's just... Yeah, I like the idea, but it doesn't really work. Because time zones in this world aren't time zones like we understand them. Time zones are areas of states. Like, we, we can agree this entire movie takes place in California. But... Within the film, Will travels multiple time zones to get from what is basically the ghettos of L.A. into Malibu. It's, it's very strange. Neat yep. idea, poorly executed, in my opinion. Sure. Um, juggling of notions of time and money, of course, like I said before, very heavy-handed. It does work, but it's a constant throughout the movie, and it, it gets kind of tiring. Um, sometimes it works really well. A uh, perfect example is Will asking his mother how long she has, uh, and her response is she has three days, but then goes on a list of bills that still need to be paid. So yep. the plan is to meet up at the bus stop after her two days of work and to be prompt because she won't have long, which is a harrowing idea because it's to her which birthday. She follows up by giving him 30 minutes to have a nice lunch on her birthday. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but it shows how much of a loving mother she is. Uh, we do get into the passing of time here from one person to another. Like you said, she gives him minutes. Um, and it, it's a weird process because it's grabbing each other's wrists, 
the person who has their wrist on top receives the other person's time. How do you feel about that? I feel like it should be the other way around. Like the person on top is giving the time because yeah, it's like, like dropping, time running out. But I think it's a small detail that doesn't really matter. But it comes up again and again, and it just kind of irks me. Again, it's not terrible. I just feel like there should be a better way. But moving on. Will only has one day left. Uh, on the way to work, he encounters Maya, a young girl. Uh, she has a clock on her arm already, because apparently now you're just born with that clock on your forearm. Everybody has the clock when they're born. It just doesn't start ticking until their 25th birthday. Exactly. And she's already looking for more time. Why not um, start early? Yeah. And I love that she walks up. She's like, Will, Will, you got a minute? And that is brilliant writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which, of course, Will responds, you still have a full year. Yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't come off as one of my cheesy puns. It, it, it was actually cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're also introduced to the idea of this world's banks. Uh, which they use to capture and store time. And honestly, I'm pretty okay with it. I'm, I'm really digging this so far. Yeah, it's um, a great setup. And it's a great world. Like, it looks lived in. It looks believable. As Will's going to the factory, you see signs for 99 seconds only stores and how a six-pack of beer only costs an hour. Yeah, the one thing that I find a little bit odd, mm -hmm. and obviously it wouldn't work from a movie standpoint, is... He's never running until later when he runs and they're like, oh, you have time and you don't need to run. Oh, I'm in the habit of running. It's like, I haven't seen you run yet. I have a big problem with this, too, because there are many periods in this movie where you should be rushing as fast as you can. And they're just sitting back, taking their time. Yep. There's going to be a lot of time puns that are unintentional here. Just go with it. Um, but this is where we meet Johnny Galecki's character of Burrell, Will's best friend. Uh, he, they meet up in the line of like a food truck or something where they're both trying to get coffee. Yeah, it looks like a food truck outside of a, a like a warehouse factory type thing. Yeah. And it's just trying to hit the, you know, shift change. And this is where we really get the um, inflation issues in the poorer communities because they, they're both trying to get a cup of coffee and guys like four minutes. It's like four minutes. Yesterday it was three minutes. And the food truck worker's like, yeah, well, today it's four minutes. So it's jumping fast, and these people can't afford that. Uh, and then we see what happens to a person who right up can't afford. Uh, when their time runs out, they just drop dead in the street. And nobody cleans it up. Uh, that's what I was thinking. They just leave that poor woman there. Um, Will's job, working in the factory that creates those little time banks or capsule things, which is a slap in the face. Yeah, it's an easily missed little detail, but it's actually kind of nice to, especially when you go back on like repeat viewings and you actually know these things a little bit more in detail now. Yeah. Like he has such a close relationship with it. Yeah, it's it's good. Like I said, this Andrew Nichol knows what he's doing when he's writing, at least in the beginning. Yeah, um, he's no Arbok. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck, you know what? I, I forget what movie it was I was watching the other day. <laughs> and I like the script here is okay. It's a little Auerbachy. But the sound mix was so off. I'm like, I think this movie would benefit his presence. 
after work, Will meets up with Burrell in a bar where a drunken man played by Matt Bomer, uh, with over a century's worth of time, is spending it freely on everyone there. I like this. I like Matt Bomer as an actor, and I like this character of Henry Hamilton. I'm a big fan of Matt Bomer. Uh, he was uh, Bryce Larkin and Chuck. And uh, Oh, he then, was! Yeah, ever since then, I was just a big fan of his. I love him the most from uh, American Horror Story Hotel, which okay. is one of my favorite TV seasons of all time. And he killed it in that. Uh, but people are, are taking notice of his free spending, especially yeah. Victor. Um, did you watch Ash versus the Evil Dead? I did. As soon it's as Pablo. Victor, yeah, as soon as Victor shows up, I out loud's like Pablo. Yeah, right. Don't get too used to him. He, I know. I, I don't him. even. I don't even think he has a spoken line in this movie. I think he has maybe one. Maybe one. <laughs> Um, our hero Will warns the man of the dangers of flaunting that much time in this neighborhood. And then we are immediately introduced to the Minutemen, which are a group of thieves who rob people of their time. Uh, everyone flees the bar and Will manages to help the man escape. Uh, so, so they're just criminals. Just, exactly. Just call them thieves. Very well-dressed thieves. But I, I hate the Minutemen. And not like, oh, they're bad guys, I don't like them. It's I don't think this movie needs them. Like, it seems like, yeah, they are criminals. They rob people in their neighborhoods, and that's why authorities don't rush in because they're keeping the poor poor. And that's fine. Introduce them here and let them go. But they keep popping up, and I think it's it almost is just a matter of convenience when they appear. I felt like they were perhaps at some point going to show up as being employed by the rich people. um, Kind of like how the cops are, but then, oh, where the cops can't, you know, keep time off the streets as much. We'll we'll hire these people to do it for us. It would give them more meaning. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely like that addition. That would be good. Um, Will and Henry flee to an abandoned building. Uh, Henry laments on living longer than a person should and tells Will that the rich people of New Greenwich are raising the cost of living to keep the poor from rising up. And after a trading, uh, after trading a flask back and forth, the two pass out. Before I do Will like wait. how Matt has a line here. Uh, I didn't write it down, so you'll know that it's not my award pick. But it's a good line where he says how like the the body die or the brain can die even if the body is still going. Yeah, he has some of the best lines in the movie, mm-hmm. and sadly he's not around for long. No, I was really disappointed. Yeah, me too. Uh, because before Will wakes up, Henry transfers almost all of his time to Salas, saving himself a few minutes to watch one more sunrise before timing out. Yeah, that was a pretty selfish act by him. You think? Well, I mean, they, they've already kind of discussed it well enough that Will told him that that kind of money will get you killed around here. Yeah. And then gives him all of it, right? <laughs> like, I get it. If you want to give the guy a gift... If you gave him like 10 years or something, you know, you know what I mean? Like he'd be yeah. all right. He'd have I something think... extra to share with his mom. And, but that would be the end of the story. Obviously that would be the end of the story, but like, it's almost like he's signing him a death warrant. Well, I, I kind of see what you're saying there, but if you go a little bit back into the night while they're still like drinking, he asks, Will, if you had as much time as I have on that clock, what would you do with it? And Will tells him that, 
well, he'd stop watching it and he wouldn't waste it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the exact opposite of what Henry's doing now, because when we first see Henry, that's exactly what he's doing. He's buying everybody in the bar drinks because he just, he needs to waste it. He doesn't want to live anymore. Yeah. So he knows that Will would do more with the time than he would have. I think anyway. I mean, obviously there's a a risk versus reward, no matter how you look at it. Well, it's like when, when Will wakes up in the, in the morning and Henry's gone, but has written a, a message in the dirt on one of the windows that just says, don't waste my time. Yeah. Which is also very smart. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's just such a normally a phrase that we would think is uh, like resentful, negative. Yeah. And it's actually a, a message of like encouragement. Yeah. And the first thing that Will does with his time ends up having a very negative effect. With the best of intentions. He, he goes to Burrell's house, uh, talks with uh, Burrell's wife, Greta, played by Yaya DaCosta, who does a fantastic job in this movie. Although and very short. like very, uh, She needed much more screen time. Yeah, it's a she, shame she didn't get more time. One of the better actors in this film. Um, it will gives Burrell 10 years of the time because of their decade of friendship. But... You know, Burrell warns him that he can't let anyone see his clock and that much time will get him killed, like you said earlier. But the problem here, which we encounter later, is we already know that Burrell is a raging alcoholic. Yep. You're buying alcohol with time because time is money again. So you just gave an alcoholic a bunch of time that he did not expect to have. What do you think he's going to do with it? You've known him for 10 years. You should at least think maybe not the best idea give yeah. it to give it to greta yeah give it to greta and be like here give some to burrell when he needs it yeah burrell's a real piece of shit D- didn't give any to his wife or kid before he just went and yeah spent will, it on himself will leaves and he just goes uh i'm going out immediately after looking at an advertisement for alcohol yep i mean it's great character writing tragic but great. Yeah. goes to show that obviously he had a friendship with Will and we seemingly believe he's a good guy. They've been friends for 10 years. He's always had his back, but how quickly money can change someone. Yeah. Will thought he was helping his friend undeniably, but unfortunately it was the wrong kind of help that Burrell needed. Yep. Uh, That night, uh, Will's mother, I, I believe her name's Rachel. I'm forgetting right now. Um, can't afford the increased price of taking the bus and is forced to run to meet her son before she times out. I know bus drivers can be real jerks sometimes. <laughs> I wanted to kick the shit out of this guy. This guy literally gives her a death sentence. Yep. And, and I'm just surprised that like no one on the bus was like, if they heard her, like if your son has the money, I'll, I'll give you 30 minutes, you know, to, to get there. Well, that's the thing. They did. Some of them did because she looked down the bus at them and they immediately look at the floor. Yeah. And I think it's because most of them probably couldn't afford to give her any time. No. But immediately my heart's starting to sink. I'm like, I know where this is going. Oh, yeah. Even the first time I saw this, I knew where this was going. Um, So she, yeah, she runs to meet her son. And sadly, they meet up just as her clock hits zero, and she times out in his arms. Yeah, um, and they 
they do their best to try to mask the foreshadowing by having them reach their hands out. They show the time. You think maybe he caught her in time. And I mean, it's a it's a valuable, att- valiant attempt, but you knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah. We all and knew it wasn't going to work. I uh, Two things about this scene. One, I really enjoy it. It was foreshadowed heavily, yes, but it was effective. Uh, number two, which is not as um, positive, but not quite a negative, is that I could tell this immediately foreshadowed a later scene. Okay. Um, but yeah, Do you all want to tell all- us now, or are you going to remember later? Oh, I'll remember later. It's in the notes. Okay. Um, all in all, it is a great scene, um, but I feel like they... Who am I to judge? But I feel like they pushed Timberlake too far with his forced crying which was less than convincing and kind of weakened the ending of it. Yeah, I think that if you know his acting level, which again is adequate, but not exceptional, maybe have him go the route of anger instead of sadness when this happens. Um, At least then you can change the emotional requirements. Yeah, his face, he has complete control of his face in such a, a crazy way. We mentioned Jim Carrey earlier, not to that extent, but he can convey emotion very well. So have that like strong silent brooding anger i think he could do that really well the crying was just too over the top yeah uh next morning we meet the timekeepers uh namely raymond leon or leon i'll probably call him leon for the rest of it but it's not pronounced that way is this one of the gentlemen that you thought looked older than 25 killian murphy yeah no baby (laughs) baby faced killian murphy (laughs) um how, how would you describe the timekeepers they're cops. Yeah, they're straight up the police. Um, but there are police only in if we had police that specifically looked for financial crimes. Yeah. Fraud investigators. Exactly. But when people are being robbed for anything like we have today, m- most often you're going to be robbed for your time in this world. Yeah. They've pulled Hamilton's body out of the L.A. River and are trying to solve the mystery of where his time went. Great. I love this introduction. It's not too long. It gives you a few new characters that you're curious about. And then, bam, it goes back to Will. I like that they're also consistent that when people do pass away from, like, something beyond time, like if they actually get killed, their time still appears on their wrist just as, like, a faded number. Yeah. So they can see that he didn't die with it on him. Yeah, again, smart writing. And and it's consistent throughout the movie for how when people pass away, it shows. Will hires a car to take him through different time zones all the way to New Greenwich and rents a suite. Uh, Apparently, crossing that many time zones cost him a, what was it, a a year? No, a year was just like the last one. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, They get increasingly expensive the closer you get to New Greenwich, which again makes me wonder how many time zones there are in California. Yeah, and at this point he's still very hesitant to even spend that absurd amount of money because he just is not used to having it. It's true. But now we're also kind of starting in on this as a revenge film. And to me, this is where the movie kind of starts taking a really weird turn. Okay. Like I'm, I'm fully on board here, but I think it's more so because I really want them to explore the world of time being money and rich versus poor. Which they do, but revenge for Rachel's death is 
I don't know. I don't think it works in this movie. Not for me anyway. Uh, one thing I did like, and I think you might've noticed this too, is uh, they're in new Greenwich, a very large city that's incredibly underpopulated. You'll notice yeah. in the, in the ghettos of Dayton, there's people everywhere. And once you get to a city that can house those people, there's really not many people there. No, it's just a, a very, very strong vis- visual representation of the divide in yeah. uh, status, social class, mm-hmm. money versus not. Yeah, they do a very good job of that in this movie. And I like it like this. They let the viewer interpret that as opposed to just ramming it down your throat, which they tend to do later. Um, we get our first view of uh, Amanda Seyfried's character, Sylvia Weiss. But then we get a plot point. The timekeepers track Will's location, and it's revealed that Leon knew Will's father. Mm-hmm. This doesn't come up frequently throughout the movie, but it does appear here and there. I wish they spent more time on it. Mm-hmm. You? Yeah, it feels like a little bit of a tacked-on throwaway that really was not necessary for the movie. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they had filmed it and intentionally cut it out because... As the movie progresses, in my opinion anyway, Leon becomes more of a favorable protagonist than Will does. And if they gave him more of that story, then they're kind of overshadowing their star. Mm -hmm. After an extravagant breakfast, Will heads to a casino where he enters a high-stakes poker game with Philippe Weiss and wins big. 1,100 years. Yeah. That was my response, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's good at cards, and he won a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, we do get to see Vincent, uh, K- I want to say Kataiser, Kataiser. I don't remember how to pronounce his last name. Uh, who plays Vice. But most people know him as Connor from Angel or Pete Campbell from Mad Men. Um, I remember him as Bobby from the movie Another Day in Paradise, uh, which I highly recommend people check out, but it's a lesser-known film. And he owns the screen almost every time he's on it, I think. Mm. But I hate how they build tension through stupidity in this scene. Like, during the game, Will takes way too long to reveal his hand, which almost allows himself to time out, like you said. There's <laughs> a like, lot of people... Yeah, like, put your fucking cards down, show them, and <laughs> and save the time. He puts his hand on the table and everybody can see it counting down from like 10 seconds. It's like, man, I get it. You're all in, but maybe get the hand revealed. And that's the thing too, because Vice has already shown his hand. So you can't take that back. And we see that it's like a trick his father did was to have people focus on your time running out and it allows them like a distraction of their own time. Yeah, but that doesn't, it really doesn't apply work to here. A card game. It does not work here. And no. that's exactly what he's doing. So, like, why? Anyway, this is what I'm saying. We're starting to see problems here. Weiss introduces his daughter, Sylvia. See if we again. And we all know how this is eventually going to play out. I, I do love how... It's not yet, but I might as well say it now. At, sure. Is it now or at the party? It's at the... Where? No, it's after the game. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Where he's like, oh, you know, crazy time. Is she my daughter? Is she my wife? It's like, yeah, you, no idea based on looks. Yeah, something I had never really considered until he brought it up. And you're like, yeah, you have no idea how old people are anymore. No, 
Um, Will buys a sports car for the purpose of attending a party at their estate. And the flirting scene here between Will and Sylvia, I feel zero chemistry, at least here anyway, later on, sure. Um, But I like that Sylvia raises a, a point of the poor die and the rich don't live. There's a lot of good lines in this movie. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of really good ones. And my most memorable one is probably not one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she has a desire to do something foolish, so they go skinny dipping, which honestly seems like a poor choice, all things considered. I, I felt like this was very out of place. It was a really stupid move for Will, who could just straight up be killed if anybody finds out. I'm assuming this is okay with you? I mean, I let it go on Will's he- Will's behalf a little bit because he doesn't know this society, right? But I get that he understands to, there's yeah. differences, but how risky this is, I don't know. I don't know. Well, he's, he's his plan is to take down the rich. He sees them as the enemy. So why put yourself in a situation where they could just take you out if they wanted to? I don't know. He says, yeah. like, you got this in your backyard and you don't go swimming? Like, I guess he's never look really at, seen... Look at where this guy lives. The ocean. Like, yeah, he lives in the run-down, overpopulated, terrible part of the country. Or maybe of the state or however they divide yeah. it. D- dude might just be genuinely excited to see a beach. It could be. But if it was that, you know, he's stripping down immediately and calling back to her to, like, rush in. Uh, I guess his only experience would be the L.A. River, which is disgusting. <laughs> uh, even even when Henry falls into the off of the bridge, this is like no water. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, and that's a that's it's such a staple in action movies. Probably most notably Terminator Two, when um, the T one thousands in the truck chasing. Uh, Arnold and uh, John on the motorcycle. Okay. I mean, they even recreated it in GTA five. Like it, it's an iconic cesspool in Los yeah. Angeles, but there's no water. So no, it's just a trickle. It's a, it's um it's a runoff is what it is. Yeah. Uh, the timekeepers interrupt the party and arrest will uh, doing so. They take most of his time, leaving him with only two hours for booking and processing until they can figure out what's going on. Didn't like this part at all. No? Uh, do tell. Uh, I get apprehending him, arresting him, but yeah. taking his time because he might have done something wrong. Like, clearly no innocent until proven guilty. But, you know, cuff him, detain him. You don't have to take his time. I get that it sets up the movie, but if that's the case, just have it so that the timekeepers flat out accuse him right away and re like repossess it but having it just kind of on the fence about that makes it feel like a weak move by the police see i thought it was a really smart move and then they never followed through with it because my interpretation was this is their way of getting a forced confession taking away someone's time leaving them only a couple of hours how long before they're gonna be like well okay fine i did it and just to get some time back but we have that never work in the rich society where they're not used to seeing two hours on their hand, but for yeah. somebody like Will, who has clearly been living paycheck to paycheck, 
that's not as shocking. I mean, we just saw a scene where he played cards and let his own time run down to a few seconds. He's not going to yeah. be phased by that. Well, I also just realized a flaw in my theory. Okay. We don't see prisons in this movie. Well, I don't know if we actually have to see prisons. Well, it's not acknowledged, though. Like, Oh, because they don't need a prison. They can just take the time. But you can earn the time back. That's a weird one. Yeah, I think they just take the time and let you die. It's just you're guilty of a crime. They time you out. But the thing is, like, if you're leaving somebody with two hours, they can still attain more time. They can, but not under your watch. I guess. If your intent is for them to die, as opposed to the current idea of prison that is presumably for reform. Well, I, I think it's just so, like, if he tries to escape, no one's going to give him time. So his the smartest move he can do is stay with them, because they're not going to let him die until they... You know, either need to or he proves himself innocent and he can leave. Yeah, I don't think we're going to agree on this one. No, we're not. Uh, what are your thoughts on Leon, though? I like Leon. Yeah, me too. Like, he seems to be pretty level-headed. Yeah. And even though his initial introduction is meant to make him look like an antagonist, mm -hmm. I don't see that. I see a guy who's just doing his job. and yeah. and he's doing it the best he can. Yep. Yeah, I... I like, I get the impression from his personality that they would have taken, you know, Will's time to two hours. And if they did determine that he was innocent or at least let him keep what he had earned versus what was given to him, that he would do it. Yeah, I think right. he would do that as well. So we've gone from uh, social commentary sci-fi movie to a complete action film at this point. Because Will immediately attacks the timekeeper's abducts Sylvia and flees the estate. And what is a pretty solid action scene, it's just we're jumping genres every 20 minutes, it seems. See, I can accept this action scene because mm -hmm. it's minimalistic and there isn't as much combat. It's a little bit of physical interaction to break free and then yeah. holding her at gunpoint. But this does seem to be where they start to lean the movie more towards an action movie. Yeah. You're right, it is minimalistic. Um there, there is one stunt here, though, that like almost turned my stomach because it looked dangerous as fuck. And it wouldn't have killed the guy or anything, but like this could go south real fast. It's when a guy, uh, uh, Timberlake stunt double, uh, jumps over the banister while he's running down the stairs. And he lands on this little side table, which starts rocking back and forth violently. I'm like, holy shit, that guy broke his ankle for sure. <laughs> he was just like hanging on to it, trying to steady it. And, and immediately I'm focused on this being like, I hope he's okay. Completely forgetting that I'm watching a movie. I'm like, I hope this person is fine. He had but to take a risk. He had yeah. to get out of there. Next is the highway chase scene with the timekeepers resulting in Will and Sylvia escaping. Um, this just felt like standard movie fare for me. Yeah. Uh, which is sad because so far it's been pretty interesting. Um, although there is a question and that is, why are we to believe that Will knows how to drive, let alone pull this off? No, why are we to believe that Will can do any of the stuff he's been doing? Point taken. I mean, they allude to him fighting and learning how to fight from his dad, but that's a very specific type of arm wrestling kind of fighting. Where, where's the rest? Unless, of course, you want to imply that, you know, he's a working man. He's obviously fit 
from working in a factory and these people are just wealthy fat cats, maybe, but yeah, but almost nobody in Dayton have cars. They can't afford them. Everyone takes the bus. I mean, there are a few littered throughout the area here and there, but we never really see like none of, none of our characters in, in Dayton drive. It would have been so much better if Will's job was like a cabbie. That would make himself so into the time sad. zone instead yeah. of calling a guy. Uh, the next morning, they make it back to Dayton, where the car hits a spike strip and crashes because the Minutemen are about to make another appearance. And Rob, Sylvia have almost all of her time before the timekeepers drive by. Uh, this just leaves her with 30 minutes, and she freaks the fuck out when she wakes up. Well, like I said, they take Will down to two hours for yep. processing and booking, and that doesn't phase him. Now you take someone here who has never been without... And she freaks out because she doesn't know what that's like. Which is great because during the, the chase scene, they try and hide and he asks her for some of her time and she refuses. And now that she's panicking, demands his time, he calls her out on it. No. Yep. Uh, but ultimately, also, he gives it to her. Of course. Because he's the hero. Yeah. Uh, when Leon arrives at the crash scene, we discover that he and uh, other... Um, Timekeepers rely on per diems from head office just to do the job, living day to day. Well, as he says later in the movie, it's to deter people from attacking them, right? Yeah, but they are living day to day nonetheless. And I like that a lot. And it makes me like Leon more because even those in charge of regulating time have none. Well, he's not a person that's abusing it, right? Like, yeah. So, you know, and we have Fe no reason to believe any of the timekeepers are. No, Philippe or whatever his name is obviously exploits the poor and, and you know, he mm -hmm. gets his by unjust means. But this just further shows that Leon is just a guy doing his job. Honest guy. Yeah. Will and Sylvia head to Burrell's place to get back some of the time that Will gave him that decade. But I mean, it's, it's good thinking. It is a good thinking, but like we said immediately, uh, Burrell's already used that time to drink himself to death. Not even that time, because what does she say? He drank himself to death with nine years on his arm. Yeah. Didn't even give any to his baby. No. Son of a bitch. I know. It's so heartbreaking. Sorry, I, I don't swear. I apologize. <laughs> um, with only minutes left, they pawn Sylvia's earrings in exchange for 48 hours. Um. They hide, and Will gives <laughs> Sylvia her share. She contests it for a second. So like, these are worth way more. It's like, don't even think about that. Yeah. And th this is something, uh, this one scene, which I don't know if it was the intent of um, Nickel to do, but when they're hiding and Will's giving Sylvia her, her share, it I, I've seen this happen with drug users. Like, I've seen people go into a pawn shop, pawn whatever they had, go out who, to a dealer who's waiting outside, getting a fix, and then going under a bridge and prepping to shoot each other up. And that's exactly what the scene looks like to me because time is not only money, it is a drug. It is an addiction. You need it. You have to have it. And without it, you, you're you not really going to make it. Um, Will calls Weiss and Leon and demands a thousand years as ransom for Sylvia the time being sent to the local mission, which is basically, you know, the equivalent of a soup kitchen, but for time. Yeah. I love to show it. how big of a piece of shit her dad is. Oh, yeah. 
But also Leon is the one that tells him not to, because again, he is doing his job, but you think Weiss would be like, well, she's my daughter. I'm going to do it anyway. And he's like, yeah, I no, he doesn't argue it at all. Not at all. It's like you gambled more than that and you won't give that up for your daughter. Yeah. And, and we go back to what I was saying before about Leon and Will's father, because it comes up again here while they're on the phone. Uh, and Leon tells him that his father's crime wasn't trying to steal someone's time. He was doing something more dangerous. And we immediately know what he's saying and how this movie plays out. At least I do. And now it's full on becoming predictable. And it's really frustrating for me because it started off so strong. And I was curious to know where we were going to go. And now I'm calling it before the movie even hits those beats. Yeah. And this is where the the point that I made earlier about the elements of his father not being necessary should have been cut out, really just don't need to be there. Yeah, because... It's not even just like that they're throwaway. They they weaken the story. And they only weaken it, weaken it because it's a fucking tease. Because that's another story that I want to know. I, I Right now, I want to know more about Leon and Will's father than I want to know about Leon and Will. And that's a, a misstep. Ah, because now... do you know that Leon was his father, and to get out of there, he had to give up his former identity. I'm become... not going to lie. I thought that for a while. Oh, okay. Well, because how would he know if it's his father? He ain't, it's not like he's going to age. And if you haven't seen him. Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, it keeps bringing it up and we're not given anything else. So I'm like, there is potential. This could be a twist that would probably ruin the movie because I don't want that to play out that way. I want there to be a history between these two individuals, not that one person being both. Yeah, and even part of me was like, make it so that his father helped out Leon at one point, and Leon will ultimately repay the favor in some way. Yeah, exactly. It's so much stronger to do that. And honestly, if they released a prequel to this movie, and it was just about Will's father and Leon popping in here and there like he does throughout this movie, I would... 100% watch that. I would love yeah. to see that in theaters. Well, they reference how Leon found a way out of the ghettos, right? And became yeah. a timekeeper. But, like, you couldn't have made it where the dad was the one who gave him the, the time to do that? Yeah. Right? Something. Yeah. Much like Will does pretty soon in the movie. If you know what I'm talking about. No. I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Very good. <laughs> uh, we get a cool down scene where Will takes Sylvia to his apartment. And, of course, this is used to show Sylvia how the poor live, but mainly sets up a later scene in which Will fights the leader of Minutemen for Time because he he tells her of the trick that his father would use. It's a terrible trick. It's a terrible trick. But apparently it keeps working. I don't know how, because it's not like it's an instantaneous thing. When you counter turn, you still have to have the thing tick down. Yeah. You know what? Doesn't matter. And here Will straight up tells Sylvia that his father died not because he was giving people time. He was giving them hope, but we're expected to believe that Will doesn't know what happened with his father yeah. and that he's dead. So where does this come from? I, I don't know. It, it's, it's becoming too blunt for me to enjoy now. It's like, and, and, and this is exactly what I was saying with um, earlier with Leon and Will's father at, Feels like there's a lot more that was in this movie or in the script that was cut out, and then they didn't round things out to try and just omit that completely because it, it's kind of janky now. Um, they share stories of experiences when their clocks started. 
Will's year was almost gone in a week because of his family's debt. And Sylvia, hers just woke her up and her father gave her a decade to celebrate. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. The problem here is we already fucking know. You've been slapping us in the face with this the entire duration of the film. And I don't care anymore. Yeah, Do it honestly about didn't need it. to be a flashback. It literally could have been each of them giving one sentence of how it happened. Yeah. Anyway. I, I'm sorry I'm getting like so giving some hate to this movie now, but it's starting to get frustrating. Uh, the transfer from Vice is not sent. We knew that was going to happen. What does Will do? He just tells Sylvia to go home. Yeah, he just gives up. Yeah. And it's not the first time he gives up in this movie. So he's not showing those heroic traits anymore. Um, they encounter Leon when Sylvia's on the phone and Will's just sitting on the sidewalk. And Sylvia straight up shoots him. Yeah, pretty good shot. Great shot. Wings him, doesn't kill him. Uh, and then the two flee in the timekeeper's car. But before doing so, Will gives Leon a few hours of his time to try and make it out of the ghetto. I thought it was like five minutes. No, it was a couple hours. Oh, okay. Uh, two things here. Sylvia is now seen as an accomplice and Leon has to make it out of the ghetto alive. Warrior style. I love that. I think that would be a great short film. Leon trying to escape the ghetto after everything that's gone down. Instead, all we see is him just walking out. And, and getting heckled. Other, and the other timekeeper is just meeting him there. Like, here you go. Yeah. Right. Like, as soon as he gets up off the ground and he's bleeding, he's holding his shoulder, in the foreground, we see one of the, the citizens there, one of the people living in the ghetto, rip the phone receiver off of a payphone, and we're like, oh my god, he's getting fucked up, and no one does anything. No, I think it's a similar idea to what you were saying about the prison thing. They were like, yeah, we don't need to attack him or beat him up. He's just going to run out of time. Yeah, but... If they're willing to potentially beat him to death, I'm pretty sure they'd be willing to steal his time. That's true. But they don't. Uh, and, and that's fine. Um, because we're actually starting to see the story evolve a little bit, which has kind of slowed down over the last 20 or so minutes. Um, the two pull over a rich woman and steal the car and most of her time. Also her earrings, which uh, Will gives to Sylvia because he's a sweetheart and pawned hers. And this oh. is where... Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a little swoon for Timberlake. Um, Leon confronts Vice and shines here in the scene. Vice claims that his daughter is under Will's control and tries to bribe Leon, who just ignores the offer and states that there's now a warrant out for her arrest. And if Vice gets one, or if he gets in the way, he'll have a warrant put out for him too. Yeah, well, Leon's not doing it for the time. Exactly. Right? He is the hero of this movie now, right? Uh, it feels like it, yeah. or, or rather, he should or be. Very close to it. Yeah. Uh, Will and Sylvia rob a bank, time bank, smashing yeah. an armored truck through the front of the building, breaking into the vault, and stealing as much of those little time banks as they can carry while not, letting... Not quite as uh, strategic as I thought it was going to be when she said, I know where we can get more time. Yeah. And then you just see them driving through a window. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I like how they, like, after they've gathered everything they can carry, just tell everybody else who is waiting in line at the bank to grab whatever they can. 
Uh, also, before they actually smash through the window, we see a woman who's trying to get a time loan that has a 30% interest rate on it. Jesus. I know. There's no <laughs> way anyone's going to get that. So how does the bank come out on top if it's almost impossible that anybody's going to be able to pay that back? Yeah, people get desperate enough, they'll take it. I guess, yeah. And what what is the bank's method for collection, I wondered to myself. Anyway. Uh, the Minutemen. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> It's all connected, except for none of it's connected. Uh, and we've got full Bonnie and Clyde meets Robin Hood mode now. Yes. And I hate it. Yeah, this is uh, this is the second half of the movie that uh, I'd say is the weaker part. Yeah. Yeah, I wish it was the opposite and the movie just became stronger as it played out, but it's the exact opposite. Um, Will gives large amounts of time to Maya and Greta, then uh, does a reverse holdup of the man who runs the mission, which I thought was great. I, I do love have to that. that. Yeah. And, and like he, he comes up behind him and he tells him like, you know, I don't have anything, everything I have, I give away. And then Will's just like, I know. And starts feeding him all this time. Yeah. It's great. And it does build Will up as the protagonist. He's supposed to be, if only for a little bit. Um, we get our first inkling that there's a, a potential uprising about to happen when a man from the ghetto stands up to the Minutemen, but it, it doesn't work out in his favor this time. Yeah, that guy's just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, I finally had enough time to buy a gun, and I'm going to let you drive away and then turn my back to you. It's, All right, man. Oh, this is a situation of survival of the fittest if I've ever seen one. <laughs> um, the timekeepers track them down, uh, being Will and, and Sylvia, to a motel. And we get a decent foot chase uh, with Leon, that is, culminating with Will and Sylvia escaping on the same bus route that resulted in Will's mother's death. Yeah. It's great. There's there's a few fun parts of this. Um, well, it's great when he's just like, Will's used to, I guess, certain people not taking risks. And he's like, ah, he's not going to jump. And yeah, then jump Leon out of the window that they smash jumps. through. Well, the thing is, the other timekeepers... Are, okay, so they run into another uh, room of the motel. Uh, they're trapped. Will throws a chair through the window. Um, they jump out, land on a car on the ground below, and book it around a corner. Sylvia's freaking out. And yeah, like you said, Will's like, they're not going to jump. And some of the timekeepers rush up to the window and just stand there. And then you just see Leon fly out the window <laughs> and land on the car and just <laughs> beeline it towards them. I really love... Timberlake's reaction here too, because he's just like, oh man, what do I gotta do? <laughs> <laughs> and like later on, they're on a they're on roofs running away from him. And uh he says something along the lines of um uh, he's not gonna follow us. And she says, Are you sure? And then a bullet blasts past his head and he looks back and Leon's right behind them. He's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. The timing is pretty good in some of these scenes. Like it, it even when we say this is the weak part of the movie, it's not completely weak. There are strong points. Well, it's not that it's weak in its quality or how it's done. It's weak in that it contrasts the feeling of the rest of the movie. If the whole movie was done like this, it'd probably be great as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's it's still fun. It just, I hate to say it could be better, but it could be better. Um. They rent out an entire hotel now to hide, 
but they're spotted by a man who eventually rats them out to the Minutemen. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> a little conspicuous to rent out the entire hotel. And then the guy walks in and the, the girl at the, the clerk. Yeah. Uh, I recognize her from a season of the flash. Uh, she tells him like, Oh, we're all booked up and there's no one around. Yeah. Like, nobody. It seems a little odd. The Minutemen break into the hotel, but are dispatched quickly by Will after using his father's tactic to steal the leader's, uh, Fortis is his name, the leader's time in this world's weird, fucked up version of arm wrestling. I love not the actual hand fighting. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. How he takes out the other guys. Because the part of his dad's tactic that I liked was that the other people started paying attention to his arm. Not the guy, well, like, yes, the guy he was fighting started paying attention to it too, but it was more that the other people were looking and then he was able to pull the gun out of his, uh, like, ankle holster and shoot them. It was yeah, it's fantastically great. done. And not only that, like, the, the shots taking out the three other um, Minutemen was great, but the fact that he doesn't shoot Fortis, he just takes the rest of his time and lets him time out, I thought was beautiful. Well, yeah, because, I mean, he can't shoot four people at the same time. Like, he's already got him where he wants him with his arm, right? So, I don't know. I thought that that scene was done wonderfully. Yeah. Um, This leads to a question I have for you, though. Okay. Because, obviously, they flee after they kill the uh, the Minutemen. But that night, the timekeepers are on the scene at the hotel, and one of them, uh, I think it's Jaeger, uh, he questions Leon's motives specifically after Will gave him time to get out of the ghetto. Now, do you think this has changed Leon's perspective at all, making him no. more understanding of Will, or he already was this way? He was already this way. That's what I thought too. But it kind of feels like that's what the movie's going for, trying to drive that point home. And I think if you've missed it at this point, you weren't going to get it anyway. Yeah. Well, our hero senses defeat again. And (laughs) Sylvia, that the rich will keep raising the cost of living to maintain the social divide. And my note here says, "What will happen?" My note says, "Great fucking epiphany, Will. This is exactly what Henry Hamilton told you at the beginning of the film." Well, he didn't learn his lesson. He didn't listen. Apparently, Uh, apparently, they agree it would take over or take a million years to overthrow the system. So, what is the solution to this problem? Now, rob her dad, who has a million years in a vault? Yeah. It's dumb. It's so dumb. It's very dumb. Also, how they pull off this heist is very dumb. Couldn't it have been, like, a central computer that, like, controls these arm clocks or something? Like, I don't know. No, because that would make sense. And we can't have that here. They've got to wrap things up way too quickly. Okay. Um, They... Well, Sylvia turns herself in to her father, who is surrounded by security guards. But surprise, Will is pretending to be one of them and holds Vice at gunpoint. How? How would they not notice? That is my first question. How did nobody notice that this guy, who is not employed by Vice, and none of the security guards recognize him or be like, this seems suspicious? It makes no sense. How did he get there? They're watching him. Close circuit. Nah, I don't know. Oh, okay. But yeah, they just straight up steal that time bank and lock Vice in his office. 
And the only good part about this is what happens afterwards, because the timekeepers are alerted of one million years going missing in the in the time zone, and Leon loses his shit. How do they know a million years is gone? They keep a record of it, and that's that's why they didn't want um, Will to leave the time zone at the beginning of the movie when he was running from them with Sylvia. So because- I guess these devices that hold time have like GPS tracking. I'd- yeah, um, wherever there is more time, the richer that area is. Yeah, but it's it's currently like it's in a bank kind of device. That's the same thing. It's same as money, man. Like, wherever the money is stored is the richest area, right? Yeah, but and if I have good- a duffel, duffel bag of money and take it to another location, you don't know where it's moved to. Yeah, well, it's being tracked. I'm just saying, like, they're tracking time. They can tell who has time. But they didn't use the time yet. I know, but it, <laughs> yes, okay, fine. There's some weird tracker on it or something. Okay, well, that makes sense. They could tell that the, you know, device but with it, a million on it has moved, and that's it how is they know tracked how much electronically on their screens. I think so, you can yeah. see where I'm going with this flaw here, though. There's a bunch of flaws here. I'm just trying to rationalize it. And all I'm right, not all right, all right. I'm doing a terrible job. Uh, but yeah, Leon heads out to uh, track them down, and we get another car chase. How's he not able to find them? These things have tracking devices on them. God damn it, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying. The movie is flawed. And I don't want it to be. Um, they almost make it back to the mission, but are ran by Leon. Will gives Maya the time bank, who rushes it to the mission where it's distributed to the poor. Honestly, I'd be okay if that's where the movie ended. Yeah. Uh, but Leon keeps chasing Will and Sylvia, eventually dying in a standoff after forgetting to get his per diem from the office for the day. Yeah, that bit of a dummy move on his part. Yeah, and it's because he was about to get it until he spotted them driving by in New Greenwich and then said, never mind, and sped off after them. So it if, was if his fault. Only the device that gave him his per diem was somehow mobile in his vehicle with him. Nope, it's in the console. It's not like he got out of the car immediately and had to chase them on foot. That's one thing. But he was still in the car. Just yeah. put your hand there. Uh, before he dies, he gives a great speech about how he didn't start the clock, so on and so forth. I'm not going to get into it. I just highly recommend people check it out because it provides so much more character development than Will had in the entire movie in just a matter of seconds. Will rushes to the timekeeper's car to get that per diem before he and Sylvia time out. And this is the scene I was talking about, Sandro, because it mirrors the scene from the beginning with Will's mother, only this time Sylvia actually makes it to Will in time before dying. Yeah, which is surprising for someone who's never run in her life to be more agile of foot than the mom who's apparently grown up running. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't see anybody in this movie exercise, which I find weird. Especially Will, who fucking books it um at timekeepers hq we watch as the system starts to crash uh news tells us that poor workers no longer need to show up to their jobs and the foundation of this corrupt society is beginning to crumble and jaeger who i guess is now leading the timekeepers since leon's dead uh, is asked what they should do and he just simply says to go home seems like a useful situation. Yeah. We talk about Will giving up. This guy's just like, yeah, you know what? We're we're done. Oh, this poor asshole's completely overwhelmed now. He has no idea what to do. 
They're not the promotion stop. I've been wanting, and this is how I get it. Yeah. Well, the film ends with Will and Sylvia preparing to rob a massive bank, keeping the revolution alive. And thank God we cut the black and roll credits now because this movie was tanking real hard. So that's that, man. Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> some numbers. All right. Um, this movie cost less than I thought it would. Okay. Um, it's not like a crazy amount by today's standards, but for 2011, it's still a fair amount of money. What do you think? Oh, man. Every time you give me those descriptions, it kind of influences how I'm going to answer. Well, look at look at the stars. These are names we know today. It's a risk taking Timberlake as a lead. Amanda Seyfried, her star was just rising. Killian Murphy, nobody really knew outside of like 28 days later. Uh, Olivia Wilde, up and comer at the time. Nobody really knew um, uh, Vincent uh, Carthizer. I don't yeah. think anyway. I guess Angel fans, maybe. I don't even know when Mad Men was on. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, the real money's like Johnny in Johnny Galecki. Galecki. Pardon? I just said the real money's in Johnny Galecki. Well, was he even really far into no. Big Bang Theory at that point yet? Like, <laughs> No. No. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to say 35. Close. 40. Oh, okay. Damn, that was my first guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of the gross? I'm going to say... I'm, I'm going to say... Without any hints that this flopped, and I'm going to say 17. Okay, well, if you multiply that by 10. What? And add another 4 million onto it. Yeah, it, it made $174 million. Whew, I, uh, I was close. I almost had it. My question here <laughs> is what the fuck happened to a sequel then? I don't know. Like it just, I mean, maybe copyright lawsuits. There are a few of those, but I don't know. That's that's bank, man. They made a lot of money off of this. They sure um, did. And it's not like they couldn't have had a sequel with these two. But honestly, I think a prequel would have been better. I agree. Yeah, I think or an Gil- alternate Murphy would have done that, or an alternate uh, ending where Will and uh, Leon become partners and we get a buddy cop movie. um no you don't like that idea no i really don't i don't like that at all no okay what about um they could have been the modern day abbott and costello yeah we already got the fucking modern day bonnie and clyde i don't want it all right sorry i was just trying to go with a timely reference that's not okay (laughs) fine rating sandro imdb what'd they get uh, six. Point seven. Six oh, okay. Point seven. Yeah, and it wasn't too far off. Uh, critics over at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, seventy-eight. Thirty-seven. Ah. <laughs> Audience. Uh, seventy-eight. Fifty-one. Yeah, I don't know why I'm guessing anymore. Yeah, they're they well. These are all over the place. Yeah. Thirty-seven percent, sixty-seven percent, fifty-one percent. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. But let's um let's get into awards. I'm very curious to hear what you picked. Okay, so you lead us off with your least favorite character, Will Salas. Okay, Justin Timberlake. Uh, like we said early on, great acting, but the character falls victim to tropes we've seen time and time again in other movies. 
and it happens repeatedly in this movie. By by the end, I'm not cheering for Will anymore. I don't care about Will. And Timberlake's doing his best, but I just don't care. And well, I mean, the writing didn't do him any favors. You got well, a hero it. that's giving up all the time. Exactly. And yeah, it's okay to have uh, a protagonist, like a flawed protagonist, because that's part of the story is building him back up. But he just drops it time and time again, where uh, I'm like, well, I don't care anymore. Let's let's move on. Who else? Who would be my favorite? And as a result, least favorite character. You? Okay. What you got? Vincent Carathier, whatever, as okay. Philip Wise. All right. I don't think his performance is bad, nor do I think that the writing was bad. Mm-hmm. I think that the issue with having a movie where nobody ages past 25 will do you a disservice when you need to have a character like this. Because he really does do his best to try and act like this aged villain, I guess, was lack of yep. a better phrase. But it just doesn't work coming out of somebody that looks so young. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And, and like, again, it's I want to stress, like lot. the performance was, was perfectly fine. And the script that we worked with was fine. But it just doesn't come off right when you see the visual of this person looking at, at the very least like okay people don't age past 25 right mm-hmm. but if you're alive for so long you tell me you're not gonna have like even say like accidents maybe you cut yourself have some scars like you're gonna show somewhere unless of course somehow time repairs your body as well right you know what i mean yeah so if somebody's been alive for this long and is supposedly this, like, aged villain. Like, maybe just do a little bit something more to make them weathered, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I I agree that he did the best he could, but it's a, it's a difficult character to bring to life. Well, and, and that's the thing. I think any young actor put in this role would have had a tough time conveying this type of feeling. Because... While we do get that there's older people that just look young, like, say, Will's mom, mm-hmm. she's not in the movie long enough that you're like, well, that doesn't fit a 50-year-old. Oh, her behavior doesn't fit. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a short visit. Most of the people that we are following, minus Leon, who really does seem to feel like an aged person, like an experienced, knowledgeable person who's been around for a while, that th- we're dealing with a younger cast or younger story group of people right yeah well i'm curious now to hear your favorite character i just kind of gave it away it's uh killian murphy as raymond leon who yeah. while he does look a, <laughs> a a tad older than the rest of the cast um 25 and a feel, pardon no, don't worry about it oh uh he does feel like what an older personality should be in a younger body mm-hmm. right Like, there's just something about the way he carries himself, you know, the way that he, his demeanor, his appearance, even just the way, like, he stands at at some points, like, more at attention, a little bit more attention to detail. Like, this guy feels like he's been around the block. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed in my statement or agreed in my award pick? Uh, in your statement. Okay. My favorite character... Was Leon's Dodge Challenger. <laughs> no, that car was beautiful. What a great choice for the police cars in this. No, um, 
I, I do agree with you, actually. His favorite character would uh, be Leon, uh, Killian Murphy. But close second, I have to mention it. We already praised him, though. The Henry Hamilton character, uh, Matt Bomer, I really wanted to know so much more. Um, yeah, and that's the problem is that obviously for picking him for the award, he's just not in it enough. Exactly. But Leon and like, is. And that's beyond just the award. It's my feelings of the character and the actor. Is he's just not in this enough. Yeah. Definitely one of the strongest points of it, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, of course it has to be Leon. Um, there's just too much going on there to ignore. Um, his drive, uh, the way the character's written, uh, the way the character's acted. I know we're not talking about how like a performance, but like everything about this character is almost perfect. Well, I mean, and obviously Killian Murphy does also do a fabulous acting job. Uh, always. I've never seen him do a poor job ever. I don't really watch a lot of things that he's been in, so I don't know. No? You ever watch... Uh... Uh, was he in Batman Begins as the Scarecrow? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I haven't seen that one too much. You seen 28 Days Later? No, I haven't seen it. And you didn't watch Peaky Blinders? No, sir. No, you haven't seen Intermission. Okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, I just thought you were more familiar with him. My bad. No. No, okay. well, I very much did like him. Um, right. like I said about memorable line, the one I picked, not the best. Okay. But I like it a lot. Okay. And it's, it's repeated throughout the film. Okay. When, when Sylvia asks, Will, what have we got at the end of the movie? And he says, a day. You can do a lot in a day. And okay. I like this because it, it's very true. And he has learned to live day to day. We can do a lot in a day, but most people don't because we always think that there's a tomorrow. And that is hit home in this movie because some of us don't have that. And it's all about making the most of what you've got now. Um, they didn't outright say that, but it has been a theme throughout the movie. Uh, and that really, that struck me. So that, I, I think of the movie now and that's what I think of. You can do a lot in a day. Oh, okay then. You? Uh, I actually have one from the opening monologue. Oh, um, okay. I think it's just a good line that is also like really well utilized um, to kind of set up the movie, the despair, the urgency that the main character uh, of Will and not the other possible main characters has mm -hmm. to experience all the time. And it's part of the monologue. He says, I just want to wake up with more time on my hand than hours in the day. That's good. Right? Like That's very this, good. This is not a hero who strove for like herodom really. He didn't want Greatness. glory or anything. Like, he got thrust in this situation, but he's just a guy trying to get by who really reluctant hero got stuck in this situation and you do still kind of want to root for the guy. Yeah. Undeniably. Hmm. All right. All right. What about a uh, memorable scene? Uh, so I kind of already tipped my uh, hand at this one and gave it away, but it was the reverse stealing of the time with the mission. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not necessarily the type of thing you would expect to see in an action movie, but it's also done so well. Right. And like, I feel like that might've been my favorite 
Justin Timberlake moment, even though it wasn't my favorite line. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple. But when the guy says, everything I have, I give away. And like, I got so much out of Justin Timberlake just saying, I know. And then start giving him the time. Like, I was wonderful. I loved it. It was maybe my, it was maybe the most, in my eyes, the most heroic moment that Will had in the movie. Yeah, it definitely was, for sure. Uh, it was actually my runner-up, too. Oh, okay. Uh, I picked when Will and his mother are running towards each other at the beginning of the movie. Okay. And it's because we all know what's going to happen. Yeah. And they still made it incredibly tense and stressful. Uh, I knew what was going to happen, and I was still like, I hope she makes it. I know. You were wishing. Even though you know it's not going to happen, you're wishing for a different outcome. It's one of those... It's one of those scenes in a movie where even when you've seen the movie uh, before and you're doing a rewatch, you're like, man, I hope she makes it this time. Yeah. You're just <laughs> lying to yourself. But like um, Timberlake and Wilde did so well in the scene. Their acting was great. The cinematography was great. The direction was great. The sound was a character in this scene. Like it, the emotion that they all built together was so good. I just can't ignore it. Like, is it the best scene? God, no. Is it the memorable one for me? 100%. I mean, this movie has a lot of good scenes. I was even considering just the conversation that Will and Henry had when they were sharing the whiskey. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he was even saying it's better when the more you drink it. He's like, no, it's not. And then later he takes another sip. He's like, yeah, it does get better. (laughs) (laughs) um, Pretty much any scene with Leon, like there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot of good, not just good scenes. There's a lot of good in this movie. All right. So that's our awards. Do you want to get into your final thoughts there, Ben? Yeah. Um, I probably would never have seen this movie had you not picked it. Uh, and I'm very happy that you did. Uh, it is something I will watch again down the road. Uh, but it it falls victim to poor pacing and ridiculous plot twists halfway, two-thirds of the way in that really weaken it as a whole. Um I enjoyed the first part of this movie thoroughly. I was very surprised. I was very happy with the story I was getting, with the performances I was getting. I didn't know that this was the same writer-director that did Gattaca, and I can see it now. Um, I definitely recommend the movie, but it starts off as one of those really cool, interesting sci-fi takes on modern society that somehow just kind of twists and turns itself into standard theater fare, which I, I, I don't know how they did that. And it kind of saddens me, but it's worth watching just for the first half. Like it's, it's very interesting. It's something you don't see often. Um, and I, I will forgive a poor end to this movie based off of how strong it opens. I, I was very happy with this. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for, uh, for picking it for the episode. Okay. Um, we definitely disagreed on some things during the course of this, uh, review, Mm -hmm. but I think I have to fully agree with your assessment there. I definitely still enjoyed the movie. Um, it's not like rewatching it tarnished my enjoyment that I remembered from the last time, which geez, after Buffy, I'm so, so thankful that that (laughs) happened again, but it absolutely is a flawed movie and it is the first half that carries it. The second half where it becomes like bank heists and more action is actually the weakest part. 
And I've said it during the episode. I'll say it again. It's not necessarily because it's done poorly, but it's it's the weakest part because it's got to compare to this amazing intro with this intriguing origin, this wonderful buildup. There's so much potential in this first half that I feel like the second half could have been amazing. And it it stumbles. I mean, it still gets you there. You still yeah. kind of get like a happy ending, although I really would have liked Leon to in some way ultimately help Will. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because it really does feel like, especially with the, the stuff with his dad, makes you feel like there's going to be some background there beyond just, oh, Leon's also from the ghetto, right? I would recommend the movie, but it's going to be carried by the first half. And if you, you know, are like me in most situations where, you know, I'm maybe not as generous the first time I see a movie where like the ending can definitely spoil a movie for me, then maybe avoid it. But it's just so good and intriguing at the beginning that I can't see people watching it, not taking something away from it. Yeah. It's not like, the end of the movie is bad. It's more of the same. It's just the beginning is so unique. Yeah. And and I am glad that, you know, I got you to finally watch it and I could talk to you about it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So that was our thoughts on in time. If you guys want to share your thoughts, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BS bargain bin, facebook.com slash BS bargain bin, BS which is the website. You can also find the tab for our merch. Head over to that merch tab, pick up a t-shirt, a hat, stickers, buttons, whatever, a notebook, a mug. Send us a screenshot. Let us share it on social media. We really appreciate it. Every little bit helps. Ben. Yes, sir. I feel like there hasn't been a huge amount of picks coming from you as of late. Yeah, I haven't really had much of an opportunity, and it's it's weird, man. So I'm going to put some pressure on you and tell you that uh, this next one, man, it better blow us away. Oh, God. What uh, are we watching next week? Uh, honestly, I, it seems to me anyway that a lot of people listening enjoy us covering action films. If you look at our YouTube page, you'll see those are the ones with the, the highest view count. Um so I'd like to go to another action film, but one that I think is underappreciated uh, or maybe just underseen. Uh, and that is 1991's The Perfect Weapon. He looks like anyone else you'd pass on the street. Give me your money now, sucker. Except for one thing. You want my money? Huh? Is this what you want? He has a slight attitude. No problem. <laughs> Paramount Pictures presents international Kenpo star, Jeff Speakman. Should be more respectful of our organization. Is there a problem here? Yeah. Guess so. Hey, Terminator, I don't know where you came from, but you better go back. Those guys are golden fists. You're a dead man. A tragedy he could not prevent. Camp! It's a signature execution. We've seen it before. Leads him into a forbidden world with nothing to rely on but his own lethal skills. Who killed Kim? You cannot handle this by yourself. Who said it never hurt to ask? Everybody in Koreatown knows Young killed Kim, dick. Tracy. Now. 
We are ready. Young and I have some unfinished business. I will finish it. He has no gun. No fear. Are you faster than a speeding bullet? No equal. No problem. In his explosive motion picture debut, Jeff Speakman is the perfect weapon. Until next week, have a good one. All the best.